Our focus is water. It covers about 71% of the Earth's surface, most of that in seas and oceans. Approximately 70% of the fresh water on the globe is used by humans for agriculture. On a more personal note, the human body contains 55-78% to water, depending on body size, and to function properly, the body requires between 1 and 7 liters of water per day to avoid dehydration. Water, it's vital to life, ours, you and me, and to every living thing on this planet. And it's vital to the sustainability of Penticton in terms of agriculture. We will take a closer look at water treatment and conservation in the city of Penticton, today on Pentocton. Hello Penticton and welcome to Pentocton, a podcast from the city of Penticton discussing some of the hot topics in our community. My name is Dale Corey, a longtime resident, a serious V's hockey and speedway racing fan, and your host. I get involved, I know many of you do as well, we do it to help shape our city. This episode will explore the city's water from where it comes from to where it goes and just how much we use. We have two guests with us today. Kristen Dixon is the General Manager of Infrastructure with the City of Penticton, and Len Robson is the Manager of Public Works. Kristen, Len, welcome to Pentocton. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Dale. Len and I go back. We curled against each other many times in the Men's League at Penticton Curling Club. And Kristen, of course, is no stranger to Pentocton. She joined us in our second episode to discuss bike lanes. Now, Kristen, I remember us preparing for that podcast and kind of joking somewhat about how nice it would be to plan a city, and most notably its roadways and bike paths, from the very beginning. Start from scratch. It would be a planner's dream. So let me begin by asking you about our water system in Penticton. How did planners and politicians do when our system was designed 60-some years ago? Well, we are very fortunate in Penticton to have a number of separated water systems, four to be exact, and many natural assets, including the creeks, the lakes, the mountains. Uh, we also have the natural topography of Penticton that we take advantage of to deliver much of our system via gravity, so that's just a bonus. Many other cities would love to have the flexibility, redundancy, and resiliency that our system has, so there was definitely a lot of good decisions that were made in the past. Yeah, that's what we have. In a minute, I'll bring Lane in to tell us how it works. But first, Kristen, why does it work? Why is it a good system? So, as you said, Len's going to walk through the specifics of each of the systems, but essentially, we're using our highest quality treated water for consumption and use in our homes and businesses, and use it untreated or raw water for irrigation and agricultural uses. By doing this, we're able to keep costs low, and by having multiple sources, we have increased flexibility and redundancy if there are issues. Yeah, okay, so Len, let's bring you in. How does this all come together? How do residents, farmers, and animals uh, all get their water? Yeah, thanks, Dale. As Kristen had noted, we have four unique systems that are used to convey water to our end users. We have our domestic water system, which is a potable, otherwise known as treated water. We have our agricultural irrigation system, which is non-potable. 
We have a raw water system, which services our parks off the raw water feed to the water plant, which is non-potable source. And finally, we have a treated wastewater effluent system, which is also non-potable. All of these systems use a combination of dams, reservoirs, pumps, and pipes to convey the water to our end users. Okay, so let's get into detail a little bit about those distinct systems. First, uh, the domestic water system. Len, uh, tell us how residents get their water. So water from Okanagan Lake is pumped up to our water treatment plant at the top of Penticton Avenue, where it is combined with water from Penticton Creek, treated, and then distributed through the city to residents and businesses. Little fun fact about our water. The average cost of a cubic meter of treated water here in Penticton, which a cubic meter equates to about 1,000 litres, is less than 50 cents. Think about that the next time you buy bottled water instead of filling up the one at, at your tap. Yeah, interesting information indeed. So... How much water are we pulling out of Okanagan Lake and Penticton Creek for treated water? And on the flip side, how much is discharged into the sewer system? Yeah, so every year we pull around 7 billion litres from the two sources, and we, we treat those through the Penticton Water Treatment Plant. Just to put that into context, that's enough water to fill almost 3,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools. Approximately 4.5 billion litres of that water uh, is returned to our wastewater treatment plant to be treated before it can be released back into the environment. Wow, some interesting numbers, and then we'll get into some more detail as this continues. Uh, next, we have the treated wastewater effluent system. So, Kristen, uh, please explain how that works and, and how that benefits residents. Yeah, so this is the residual water that comes from our wastewater treatment plant, and this is a really great asset. Uh, what we're able to do is take some of that treated wastewater that would otherwise be discharged back into the environment and use it to water some of our larger parks and sports fields, including the golf course, uh, instead of using expensive treated water. So just, you know, last year we used over 450 million liters of this treated effluent in the city, which would have cost, you know, using that 50 cent mm -hmm. figure that Len talked about, uh, almost $200,000. So you can see the financial savings that the city enjoys by repurposing some of this untreated water. Yeah. So next, let's talk about the agricultural irrigation systems. There's actually uh, uh, two systems in place in the city. Uh, Len, explain how they work. Yes, Penticton has two separate systems. We have a north system fed off of Penticton Creek, and we have a south system fed off the Ellis Creek. Water for these systems is captured and stored in a series of large dams, reservoirs, located in the mountains east of Penticton. The stored water allows us to supply water for the agricultural properties from March to October, as well as provide creek water to support fish and other aquatic wildlife. Most of these systems were developed in the 1960s and are comprised of simple screens and piped gravity systems that convey the water to the end users. A little known fact is that the water from Penticton Creek is actually diverted through the Campbell Mountain by a 1.2 kilometer tunnel which is linked to the pipe system that supplies agricultural water to the north agricultural properties. Considering that this was constructed in the 1960s, it's a pretty impressive engineering feat. Although the system has operated seamlessly for many years, the effects of climate change have created some challenges in recent years. For example, significant snowpack combined with wet spring temperatures has resulted in, uh, recently resulted in creek damage and flooding uh, of our lakes and our creeks. And the extreme heat and dry weather as was experienced in 2021 resulted in depleted water supply to our reservoirs. Okay, so from an irrigation standpoint, you noted, Kristen, that the city uses over 450 million litres of treated effluent to irrigate parks and sports fields. But Len, how about the other irrigation systems that are used for agriculture? How much are they using? 
Well, in 2020, the city used around 1.3 billion liters of water from Penticton and Ellis Creeks for agricultural use. Again, just to put this into context, it would have cost roughly $575,000 to provide this equivalent volume of treated water. Yeah, okay. So from an irrigation standpoint, uh, you noted, Kristen, that the city uses over 450 million liters of treated effluent to irrigate parks and sports fields. But Len, how about the other irrigation systems that are used for agriculture? How much are they using? So for reference, in, in 2020, the city used around 1.3 billion liters of water from Penticton and Ellis Creek for agricultural purposes. Again, just to put that into context, it would have cost roughly $575,000 to provide the equivalent volume of treated water. And we're doing it for, with a very expensive, inexpensive system. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about uh, consumption for a few minutes. And and first, I guess, why do we need to conserve? Many people believe we have more than enough water surrounding us. So, Kristen, why do we need to conserve it? Yeah, it is a, it is a difficult thing. Uh, the perception when you look around is, well, there's water everywhere. But uh, unfortunately, our lakes and creeks don't equal an endless supply of water. We're certainly not immune to the impacts of climate change, uh, shifting over the past few years between flooding and drought, extreme fire seasons, and just over overall more and more extreme weather events. Um, You might recall during 2015 wildfires broke out around the Parched Valley and water restrictions tightened and there was a legitimate concern that low water supplies would both hurt farmers and their output. Uh, Fish returning to spawn also faced lower water levels and overall you know the drought just really stressed the environment and the economy. The, uh, the watershed is an extremely complex system that we, we share with fish, wildlife, uh, many human users, including you know, residential, agricultural, uh, commercial and industrial businesses. And the demands on our water are growing. Our population mm-hmm. is increasing and, and so are our agricultural needs because of climate change and the impact this is having. So, uh, you know, we all have a responsibility to use this very precious resource very carefully. Yeah. So, Len, how are we doing here in the Okanagan? Well, here's where it gets interesting. Here in the Okanagan, there is less water available per person than anywhere in Canada. Unfortunately, we also have one of the highest rates of water use per person in the country, using just over 500 litres per person per day, compared to the national average of approximately 400 litres per day. This ramps up even more in the summertime, putting us at almost double and at times triple the Canadian average. More than half of this goes into the sanitary system, from your sinks and toilets and dishwashers and things like that. And we know that the second largest use of water in the Okanagan is used in our household lawns and gardens. So we have lots of room for improvement, Dale. Yeah, I guess so. And uh, Interesting numbers when you look at it. Um, less water available per person than anywhere else in Canada. Um, why, why is that? Can, can you explain that maybe a little bit more? Well, I mean, you know, you look around at the Okanagan and you're not surprised. It's just the type of climate that we mm-hmm. have here. Um, so even though, again, that, that perception when you look around and you see the creeks and the lakes and whatnot, uh, the reality is is that it is there is less water. Um, but I think that makes it more, and you know, and it, that correlates as well with the higher water consumption because it is a dry, uh, arid uh, community. And so we are often using it to try and uh, keep up with the Joneses, for a mm-hmm. lack of better words, around, you know, those manicured lawns and, and all the things that come with that. Yeah. So how much of things changed in recent years and I'm thinking water use and, and maybe on a national basis how how have we seen things change yeah there's no doubt that nationally we continue to reduce the average amount of water that each person uses each year so it's it's a good thing the trend is heading in the right direction um, but we can always do better and particularly in BC and then even further so in the Okanagan whereas Len said uh, our consumption is quite high um, you know 
technologies have changed and we need to take advantage of the tools that are available to save where we can and we're and we're seeing mm -hmm. that you know we're seeing our agricultural customers switch over to you know more sophisticated drip systems we're seeing new homes that have way more uh energy efficient and and water efficient fixtures and your you know low flush toilets things of that nature so um certainly technology improvements have helped and uh there's also just growing awareness of the importance of conserving water which is which is great every drop does count well, and, and I just, I'm, I'm somewhat blown away over, the, over those numbers that uh, we have one of the highest rates of water use per person in the country, uh, using 500 liters per person per day. So, Len, we can all do more, I'm sure, and that starts at home, paying close attention to our, our pipes, our sink taps, uh, taking care of a leak when it occurs, because the waste of good water can be substantial, I'm sure. Absolutely. You'd be surprised how much water is wasted on a minor leak. For example, a dripping tap can waste about one liter of water per hour. In one year, this equates to about 8,700 liters, uh, which is enough to fill a bathtub 87 times wasted water. There are simple things we can all do. Replacing a flapper valve on a toilet, for example, installing aerators on your sinks, using low-flow fixtures, and not running the water tap while you're brushing your teeth. These are simple things that we can do, and these things all add up to water conservation. In addition to the environmental reasons to conserve, also remember that every 1,000 litres we pull out of the lake or river costs about 45 cents to get to your home or business, and then an, an extra 70 cents to collect it and treat it if it is wasted. We have a lot of great resources on our website that can help people identify how they can conserve. Yeah. Well, let's talk about restrictions. We go to a level one every year on May 1st to August 31st, regardless of what the water situation is in the hills. <clears throat> we go to a stage two when we have a prolonged periods of no rain, hot, dry weather, and below normal snowpack, low water storage or low water storage volumes. Stage two requires a resident to go from watering three days per week to two, while other water users are required to reduce consumption by 20%. Stage three happens in extreme drought conditions, and we aim to see a 50% reduction in use overall. And then stage four, if we ever get there, is obviously an emergency situation where we are risking the ability to provide fire protection. And we're looking for a 90% reduction at that stage of restriction. Yeah. Well, this is an education process. So Kristen, where can residents go to learn more about how they can conserve? Yeah, there, there are so many good resources out there, um, including our website, which has a number of links on it as well. So if you head to our water conservation page at penticton.ca, uh, you'll find a link to all sorts of things such as, you know, ways you can zero scape uh, your lawn. Um, there's a household water use calculator that you can kind of plug in what you have in your home and it can kind of give you a rough uh, estimate of where your water is being used. Um, there's a link to, uh, you know, other, other websites such as the Okanagan uh, Basin Water Board have a ton of valuable information on them. Um, so there's lots of material available on the on the website, uh, and do spend some time looking at there and seeing uh, what might apply to your particular home. Yeah. Okay. So maybe a final note for both of you to answer, and that is, what we can do as residents to make sure we never end up in a Lake Mead or Colorado River situation, like is taking place down in the U.S. with rivers and lakes drying up. Uh, do we ever have to worry about simply having enough water available here in Penticton to sustain life, Len? Well, the Okanagan Valley is really part of a of one water system that goes from Vernon and continues on through Penticton and down into the U.S. Everyone being water-wise and responsible with their water use and recognizing that we're all part of one water basin is key to ensuring that we have a sustainable water source for generations to come. 
Yeah. Kristen, your thoughts? Yeah, and I would add, you know, I think it's important to recognize that climate change is happening, um, and we can't assume and rely on those valuable resources being available the same way we have in the past. I'm sure if you ask those in uh, the Lake Mead area if they thought this would ever happen, nobody mm-hmm. ever did when they were building their, you know, large pools and all those kinds of uh, amenities. And so, you know, we have to start treating water like the valuable resource it is. Um, you know, one of the, the comments I was chatting with someone the other day around, like, compare the cost of gas for a liter of gas compared to a thousand liters of water is only 50 cents yeah. um, and you know we, we we need to make sure that it is, it is available for people because obviously it, it is critical to life as you as you noted but also the the cost of it the low cost of it um, and the benefits we enjoy from that make it easy to waste because it is almost too cheap at times so I just think we need to raise awareness of it uh, and we need to be able to adapt to these changing conditions to ensure that there will be enough water for everyone so we don't end up in that situation in the future. Yeah, and I know the situation down there is, is because such of such a growing population, a booming population in so many states down there. Um, our population is growing here. Uh, is that any type of concern, the, the fact that we are growing in population as, as far as being able to have enough water for everybody? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something we need to be cognizant mm-hmm. of and plan for. And, and uh, you know, nationally, I think that we've been lucky enough to see that as those pop, as the population has increased, our per capita water consumption is going down. So, you know, it's it's kind of offset uh, itself over the years, but um, we can do better than that. And uh, if we continue to find ways to effectively reduce um, our consumption and, and just put ourselves in a better position to adapt to that climate change impact in the future. Yeah, some great information today. And, and uh, again, from a learning standpoint, education standpoint, things that we can all do to uh, to be a little better off as well. Again, our guest today from the City of Penticton, Kristen Dixon, the General Manager of Infrastructure, and Len Robson, the Manager of Public Works. To both of you, thanks for the insight into Penticton's water system, how and why it works so well, and the things all of us can do to conserve water. Again, thanks to both of you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us, Dale. Let's all work toward a community which looks after its own, welcomes others with open arms, and continues to provide us with the best place on earth to live. And of course, please join us next time on Pentocton. I'm Dale Corey. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>